Before we do anything related to the uh, topic of the week, which is the Omer, I want to remind you that this week's Torah portion is called Kiddushim. It's Leviticus 19.1 and following. It is the second most important commandment in the Torah, according to our master. Leviticus 19.18 is among many, many, many important things that you find within this Torah portion this week. Kiddoshi means the holy ones. It's in essence where God is saying over and over and over again, be holy because I am. And there's a really, really significant, that's a pretty significant statement for anyone who ever says, I'm nothing. You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just garbage on the heap. You know, I, I just, I'm just worthless. That's a total lie from the pit of wherever. Gehenna, Gehenom, Sheol, Hades. God calls you to be holy. He says that within you, especially filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, should be both the desire and the mechanism to live your life as a, as a holy one, as like unto God. So read the Torah portion this week. It's important. But I want to I shift gears. Leviticus 23.10 tells us, You shall bring in the omer of the first fruits. Q&A. You shall bring in the omer of the first fruits. How much is that? That's a southern answer. I don't know how much a bushel is. It may be right, so I wasn't expecting that answer. I might be off now. I'm, I might be out. An omer is, and I'm shocked that no one knows this, a tenth of an ephah. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible. How much is an ephah? Ten omers. Or three seah. Do you guys study? I mean, do you read? It's all in there. How much manna was kept in the Ark of the Testimony? It's in the Bible. Leviticus 16.33 will answer the question for you. Exodus, I'm sorry. How much? An omer. That means one-tenth of an ephah. Of manna. You remember where God said, hey, Aaron, put Moses, Aaron, put this in a jar, a container, and throw it in the Ark an omer of manna. Wherever the ark is, there's still an omer of manna in it. What was, where, where was Ruth gleaning in the book of Ruth? Right, that's a, that's a good one. Boaz field. But specifically, Boaz commanded his servant saying, let her glean among the omerim. Let her glean among the omrim, the plural omers. Do you know how much barley she gathered? An ephah. How much is an ephah? Ten omers, or three seah. Okay, this is really getting good, isn't it? I knew you were going to love this. What do we do with the omer today? What do we do with it? We count it. Why do we do that? Leviticus 23, 15, you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the omer 
of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths, counting the Omer. Remember, in a, we talked just a few weeks ago about this huge controversy that was going on in Yeshua's time over the counting of the Omer and when it was supposed to take place between the, fats, the Fadducees, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. That's the third party. You don't hear much about them, the, fat, the, the Fadducees. The days of the Omer, that's what we're in. We have the 33rd day of the Omer, Log Omer, it's called. It's a huge, massive celebration in Israel. We have Dog Omer in Hudson, Wisconsin, and Macon, Georgia. A huge celebration with fish and hush puppies, which is actually supposed to be celebrated on the 17th day, which is when traditionally Yeshua provided the fish meal to his disciples after the resurrection. That's why we have it within these days and call it dog, because did you know we eat dog in Judaism? It's kosher. Dog means fish in Hebrew. Right, there you go. So all this, you know, might bring some questions to mind, like, well, what is an omer? Because you really still haven't said, but I have. It's a measure or a sheaf of grain, which an omer is basically one sheaf of grain. So it's a biblical measure. Okay? We good on that? Might ask some other questions or bring some other ones to mind that you may ask a lot while I'm giving teachings, which is, what the heck is he talking about? And why is he talking about it? Why do I need, why do I care about omers or omrim or sheaves or barley? And finally, I have an easy answer for you. It is because God's word commands you to care about it. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? And we, we just talked about it, that, that from the day after the Yom Tov, that is the holiday of Passover, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we are supposed to be counting the Omer. God said it. Count the Omer. Now, it's not really the Omer that we're counting, which is this, this measure of barley. What are we doing? We're counting the days. But as I observed our community and looked online of Shalom at Home and other places, I realized... There are a lot of new people. It's like on our website, there's a button that says, I'm new here. And I realize there's a lot of people who are, quote, new here in the sense of what the heck is going on with counting the omer and the barley and what is this all about? So I thought, you know, it, it would be important to understand the what and the why of that. And I'll do it in a much less confusing way than what I just did. That was just to get your attention. But I want to do it in a meaningful way so that a commandment, a mitzvah, a commandment to count the omer has some meaningful application in your life. Instead of when you say to your friends, hey, we're, we're counting the omer. And they're like, what? What is that? I don't, I don't really know. It's just, it's just what we do at this place I go on Saturdays. Okay, Andy, you're weird. But anyway, let's jump in. So what are we doing? Well, let's start with what they were doing. Okay, let's look at it from the biblical perspective. What were they doing? 
And the obvious thing that's happening is tied to the first commandment that I mentioned above. You shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. What is that? What is that describing? That is describing the day after Passover, counting 49 days of the Omer count, and 50 days is what holiday? Dave? Shavuot. No, Shavuot. Right? 50 days, Shavuot. And we bring, or the priests bring these two leavened offerings, these two leavened loaves into the temple, and it's a wave offering. That's what this says. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread as a wave offering made of two tenths of an ephah. Now you know what that means. But Israel was to start counting. Seven weeks, 49 days. So one simple thing that the Omer is, is just another name for the counting process that occurs between Passover and Shavuot. But there are actually some more practical and important commandments, too, that are more than just the counting. The counting is one. But in Leviticus 23, 9, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I'm going to give you and gather its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Okay? What are the first fruits of Israel's harvest? It's a crop. Barley. Okay? Barley. Barley is a, barley is a simple grain. It, it's in the rabbinic texts. Barley is compared to like an animal feed, while wheat is a rich human food. Okay? But barley is a simple food. It was the first Thing to ripen in the land of Israel. And so then it continues in verse 11, Le Leviticus 23, 11, and says, he shall wave the sheaf, okay, wave the sheaf, this is the omer, before the Lord, for you to be accepted on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Other translations say, to gain favor for you. So this is kind of strange. We're taking this little bit of barley, this omer of barley, and then somehow it's going to get into the priest's hands and he's going to wave it. But in doing that, we're going to be accepted in some way by God or gain favor in some way by God. Do you know how? Do you know what that actually means? I'm going to tell you. Rashi tells us that what seems like a pretty simple thing, chopping down some barley and making it into these things and waving it, is not at all so simple. That the person who is waving is done as a particular movement, back and forth, up and down, four directions. We're waving back and forth and up and down. Why? Because, based on the Talmud, the one waving must be thinking while doing it of the one to whom the four directions belong. You must be intentional in your wave to be thinking of the God over all creation. The one to whom north, south, east, and west he manages and belongs. Now hold that thought for just one second. 
The Torah continues in 14, 23, 14. Until this very day, which day? I'll tell you. Until this very day, until you have brought in the offering of your God, you shall eat neither bread nor roasted grain nor, no, or, nor new produce. It is to be a permanent statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. So let me explain this to you now. Still related to the Omer. Until this very day, until you have brought in the offering of your God, you're not allowed to eat any new produce. Do you know what day that was? It was the day of the Omer offering. Meaning that everything that was growing in your fields, grain-wise, all the cereal grains were off limits. Until this little bit of barley was collected and then waved in the temple. And then you could go and start eating your other cereal crops. So this is very, very important. It's a permanent statute, he says, in the land of Israel. That you don't touch these things until this happens. Now let's put those two pieces together. This is happening the day after Passover. Okay? We're, we're collecting the omer and all this, and, and, or the barley, the omer of barley, the day after the Passover. Now what is Passover? Passover is a celebration of the freedom that we have from slavery, the exodus from Egypt, God acting on Israel's behalf to overcome their enemies, redeem them, call them his people, take them out like it's a really big deal what God did for Israel. Which, as Rabbi Eli Monk says, could easily lead them into a feeling of pride and arrogance. This process... This, everything's off limits until you acknowledge the one to whom four directions belong, is intended by Jewish thought to be a, first of all, a humility exercise. You don't come out and think you own the world. Just because I got you out of Israel, I'm still absolutely in charge. And you owe everything to me, God is saying. So they are going to, you know, don't, don't get prideful. I love you. I love you, kid. But, but stay humble, he's saying. You remember me in all things because instead of developing this sense of pride in who we are because God's done all these other things, we're forced to acknowledge through gratitude that everything depends on God. That's a part of this, but that even before partaking of this simple animal grain of barley, you're going to thank God for it, and you're going to present it in the temple, giving it back to him. The sheaf was to be waved while thinking and thanking, right? And that is how this tiny offering, uh, an omer of barley, reminds Israel that it's not just the love demonstrated in the miracles of the plagues or splitting of the sea. It's the fact that God chooses to bring rain on the earth. And without you doing much, because you can't make the crops grow, God makes them grow. So it's an exercise in gratitude. Now, who would have thought of that from a handful of barley? 
God did. That's why I said you should do this. And that's exactly how it gains favor for Israel, is the sense that when you love God and show gratitude to God, like any good father, he appreciates that and does indeed bless those who bless him. Be grateful, and in that gratitude you will gain favor. So as soon as the offering was made in the temple, the new cereal crop was, was acknowledged and, and gratitude was given for it. The Mishnah tells us that once the Omer was sacrificed, people would emerge and find the marketplace of Jerusalem was full of flour from the parched grain of the new crop that was permitted by the waving and sacrifice of the offering. So basically, the priest does this, the shop windows open up and there's all the new grain and everybody's ready to eat, at least the barley and stuff because that's what was right. But it was a, it, it, it represented the continuity of life. It's in the ground, God brings it up, you acknowledge God and you live and you prosper and you are blessed. Is that point driven home clearly enough? Good. There is of course a wealth of other connection that's relevant to us, and it is, again, related to the gratitude. Here's how the Mishnah describes what would happen during the actual harvest of the Omer. Okay? I want you to listen to this. How would they perform the rite of the harvest of the Omer? Emissaries of the court, these are the apostles of the Sanhedrin. That's what emissaries are. The apostles of the Sanhedrin would emerge on the eve of the festival of Passover, and they would fashion the stalks of barley into sheaves while the stalks were still attached to the ground so that it would be convenient to reap them the next night. The residents of all the towns adjacent to the site of the harvest would assemble there so that it would be harvested with great fanfare. So here's what's happening. Friday afternoon in the year that Messiah was crucified, the apostles of the Sanhedrin are going out to a nearby field in Jerusalem. They're gathering up the stalks of barley that they're going to harvest, and they're binding them and holding them there until that night they'll have their Seder. Saturday morning they'll have prayers and everything. And Saturday night after Passover, day one, they're going to go back out in that field where they pre-selected this barley that's been bound and raised up. And they're going to cut it down. And then there's another whole process that happens. Um, that is all happening. Now, I want you, to, I want you to, take, I want to go back to our crucifixion message, John's chronology. I think it's fairly obvious to see at least one parallel here, right? That on Passover, as they're going out into the field and binding up the first fruits and standing them up on the hill of the skull, so too the first fruits are bound and raised up where he was left. Now eventually, he came down, right? But he was placed in the ground, in essence, the tomb. So like the stalks that they bound and lifted and left them connected to the ground, Yeshua is bound and lifted and thrown in the tomb and left. Basically, it's in a rock, but it's in the ground. 
And on Saturday night, which is technically the first day of the week, right? Saturday night is really Sunday. And it's the first day of the week. And we know what happened. The apostles of the Sanhedrin returned to gather those first fruits that Saturday night. And after an elaborate harvesting procedure where everyone was around and watching, they collected three seahs of barley in their baskets. They carried it back to the temple in Jerusalem. And throughout that night, the priests prepared it to become an offering unto God. You with me? Saturday and they're, they're, they're roasting it and grinding it and sifting and preparing. And that, that is all happening on the same night that Yeshua, having been threshed and grounded figuratively, is doing what? He's rising. We don't know exactly when. It was after sundown and before sunrise. But as all this is happening, something unbelievable is happening. And Sunday morning... As the tomb was found to be empty because the master had been lifted up, Caiaphas in the temple is lifting up with gratitude the Omer cake that had been through this whole process that we just watched the Sanhedrin and the emissaries do. Which really, really, as he's taking these first fruits at Sunday, they've come to an empty tomb. He's taking these first fruits and lifting them up to God in conjunction with what's happening here, which really puts some, put some, some meat into this scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. But it, the fact is, he says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Get it? Good. Later, that dough would be baked and shared among the priests. And finally, Caiaphas did one more thing, though. He would conclude with a special single male offering to accompany the new grain. Get that. Single male offering. Most, well, all of the festivals, actually. Sacrifices are in multiples. But for this first fruits, you have the Passover lamb or goat, and now for first fruits, in conjunction, you have this singular lamb offering that's given unto God. Is that hard to see a parallel? I don't think so. I don't really think it is. But as I told you before, after this, after that happened, the marketplace opened up with a buzz. The new crop was now available to buy and fit for consumption. Just as the disciples are realizing what actually has happened. That while all of this new first fruits grain is now kosher, is now fit, they are now kosher and fit for the kingdom because of the first fruits that were raised. Kosher grain, kosher for the kingdom. And the new grain symbolized Israel, the life, the continuity of life. The first fruits from the dead symbolizes the continuity of everlasting life for you. There are unbelievable connections that happen here. That this, this is the Messiah, as the Leviticus text said, doing this will gain favor for you before the Lord, right? You couldn't gain any more favor 
than the resurrection of the firstfruits Messiah from the dead. So, as a side note, you'll hear people refer to the festival of first, that this is the festival of first fruits. It's not. It's a first fruits offering. Shavuot is the festival of first fruits. But wow, man. I mean, the, the profound parallels between the Omer and the Master and how God would have connected again, because he does it all the time, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Messiah to the festival calendar. He does it. All the time. Now, how many of your friends understand this connection? How many of your friends can define an omer? You can. How much is an omer? Thank you. One tenth of an ephah, two liters. One tenth of an ephah. You can. But obviously, an omer seen through this lens is a whole lot more than a measure of barley, isn't it? And listen, I don't mention your friends to suggest or some perspective that we're so holy and we've got all this figured out, we're so great. That's not at all why I say that. I say that out of the very thing that I just mentioned to you. Gratitude. Gratitude that God has chosen us to be able to know and understand these things, that you have a desire to know these things, that you learn and study, and God lets us find these connections. And to see the incredibly connected way that the Bible works. So yeah, it'd be great if everyone's friends knew how important and why the counting of the Omer matters and all those things. But you do, and that's something to be thankful for. Right? So, truthfully, though, that is really only half of the story and the significance of the Omer. The mitzvah today is to count the Omer. And it's easy. All, all that's connected to Yeshua and why it's important. But, but what's the deal with the counting? For me as a disciple, why does that matter that I'm actually doing this counting thing? That all happened right after. We don't, we, what do we have to count for? Well, Beyond the measures and the temple procedures and even those Yeshua connections, you have a very practical and personal application for the counting of the Omer. It is, I would suggest, a necessary spiritual component for you. It's about improvement. It's about spiritual ascent. It's about becoming a better disciple. It's about becoming a better man or woman. That happens during the 49 days of the count of the Omer. And though I hate to waste six more days of the Omer till I can tell you, you're going to have to wait six more days for me to tell you that when we get back together next Shabbat. There's still plenty of days. Tonight is day 22 of the Omer, which makes, well, you're not, I won't even say it. 22. You know how to do the math, right? That's a certain number of weeks in a day. That's how you count the Omer. But today's the what. Next week is the why. And it's a biggie. It's a biggie why. So we'll reconvene, God willing, next Shabbat.